Hey everybody, welcome into a brand new edition of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, your Penn State podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Friday, August 7th, 2020. Congratulations on getting to the end of another week. And yes, we're getting a little bit closer to the start of the college football season. If you went back and checked out yesterday's evening edition of the podcast, we went over the Big Ten schedule. We talked about what it means for Penn State going into the fall. Hopefully you got a chance to listen to that. There's a very good chance that you're getting two podcasts in your feeds this morning. So welcome to a Friday. We've got plenty of content for you. But in this episode, we are going to finish up our three-part series interview with the one and only Tim Brando from Fox Sports. We've got a lot of ground to cover, get his thoughts on Penn State for the upcoming season. If you enjoy this podcast, I hope you do. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you may be listening to us right now in and leave a reading, leave a review when you're finished with this episode. Let us know what you think about the episode. What do you think about the show? We love the feedback and it helps promote the show across the networks on whatever podcasting app you may be using. We also encourage you to connect with us through various forms of social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch using the same username of LockedOnNittany. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. You can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. And let's go ahead and get to our final part of our interview with the Tim Brando. Uh, but let's talk about you know, whether or not we're going to see college football. I think if you're sitting here right now and you're watching all the news and all the stories that are coming out, all the coverage and all the quotes that are coming out, as you're sitting here right here towards the end of July, how confident are you that we will see college football in the fall? And if we don't see it in the fall, would you be open to seeing it in the spring? Everything's on the table. And spring is definitely in play if fall is not. Okay. The, the only thing I'm confident of, Kevin, is this. If there is no college football in the fall, there will definitely be college football in the spring. Okay. Now, we know the HBCUs have already made that move. Mm-hmm. Uh, the MEAC, the SWAC, some other FCS conferences may do the same, although they're, they're holding out now because many of them have paydays against teams from the Big 12 or the SEC. Right. Uh, this is a huge week as you and I speak. Uh, it's a planning week whatever the plans are for the Big 12, whatever the plans are for the ACC and the SEC, I think we'll be out by the end of this week. And the answers to whether we will be able to implement whatever those plans are, are going to come early next week. So the next seven to 10 days are crucial. And uh, it's my belief that they are going to do everything in their power to play in the fall. Uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, but number one, the number one reason is uh, for them on college campuses, managing all of the sports that you'd have to manage in one semester could just be over the top difficult yeah. for most of these schools. And I mean, power five schools. I'm talking about the autonomous five. Right. Imagine if you had a... Uh, women's gymnastics event, men's and women's basketball and college football game on the campus, you know, in, in state college, the same, you know, in, within the same 48 hour period. I mean, think about that. Yeah. But just, I mean, you would have, they would have to hire people uh, 
over and above what they already do from a security standpoint to handle that. It's just, it would just be that much more costly, in my opinion, uh, for the schools to do it. And that isn't to say that they don't have the wherewithal financially to do it, but still, it's just, it's, it's, it's awkward for me to think that that can be pulled off without a hitch. I just no. think there are many, many problems that come with that. So I think they're going to do everything that they can do to play in the fall. Big 10, by doing what it did, said, you know what? We're going to try to control it and deal with our own. That we know that they're using the same protocols at these institutions that we're using. That's how they're dealing with it. SEC and, and, and Big 12 and, and ACC, I think, are saying, you know what? We want to maintain our games non-conference because they so many of them are meaningful to us, like Clemson, South Carolina, like Georgia, Georgia Tech, like Florida, Florida State, like LSU, Texas. Uh, these are important games to them. So they want to get them in uh, as best they can. But will they be able to play full schedules? Maybe not. So they're, they're drafting this eight, eight conference, two non-conference, 10 game uh, format. Uh, whether or not it's, it's desired to go that way, I think that there's a chance that the SEC and ACC may do the same thing. The Big 12 may just do their own thing. Right. Um, yeah, I get the feeling they want to play all 12. I really do. Interesting. Uh, and the SEC and ACC may go to this 8-2 model. Uh, and, you know, if you have to move the season back to the 19th, fine. You can do that. Uh, a couple of schools have moved games from the 5th back to week zero. I think Oklahoma did that. Yep. That was one of the reasons why I felt like the Big 12 might be the outlier in deciding to go on their own, you know, to do their own thing. Um, but as long as you have some flexibility and I think they do have flexibility, uh, for, with the calendar because college football, thankfully is a short season, uh, that they can pull it off and be done by, uh, the end of, of Thanksgiving. So that championship week can roll when it needs to. However, if you've noticed, uh, the PAC 12 secured their stadium in Vegas for the fifth for the 12th and for the 19th, <laughs> I did just see in that. case. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I suspect that um, all the conferences have looked into that, right. you know, uh, with the time lapse between the end of the conference championship weekend and the selection day to the actual playoff games, that's almost a month anyway. So you've got some time to work with uh, to pull that thing off. And, and I'll, one last thing on this, Kevin, I believe if ever there were a time, to legitimize, and they don't need my defense at ESPN, but they're the ones that are going to make this call ultimately. Uh, if there were ever a time where I would push the envelope and say, hey, the committee has no shot at getting this right. They're only going to play nine games here, 10 games there, 12 games there. Let, let's, let's extend this thing now to eight teams. <laughs> now, five conference champions, two at-larges, and a group of five team, and let's just play one more week and let's go because – that's a way to make up. Think about all the lost revenue, all right? Mm -hmm. Hemorrhaging yeah. money from no NCAA tournament, hemorrhaging money because of COVID. Uh, if you were able to put that additional inventory into play, they could recoup a lot of lost revenue if they were to do that. And I think most people would understand, and, and, and even some that were against the idea, all right, might be for it given the circumstances that we're talking about. We just haven't gotten to a point now with the numbers, with the data, 
to have these conversations publicly. Now, right. no one right. wants to go there because we're not sure if we're going to play. Uh, all this will go nuclear once they've made the decision to play. And that's the problem. See, none of these guys, and I've talked to many of them off the air. I mean, I've been talking to college commissioners and ADs left and right for the last month of Sundays, all right? None of them want to go there right now. But the reason is no one right now is willing to say, here's how we play during the COVID-19 era, or we can't play, we're closing shop, and we'll do it in the spring, mm -hmm. all right? Those are two very strong <laughs> statements to make. Right. And nobody right now has the courage to make them. Once that's done, you're going to see uh, it's just going to be wild. It's going to be the wild, wild west. And, uh, you know, I know you were going to ask me at some point about the Big Ten race in Penn State. Listen, I normally by now, my, my top ten would have been out for a month. Right. And I haven't even gone there. Mm -hmm. uh, because you don't know who they're playing. You know, most of your <laughs> exactly. preseason prognostications are based on what? Schedule. Right. Yeah, but we don't know what schedule the schedule and, is. Schedule and what players you have returning from last year's team. And what yeah, you last year. absolutely. I, yeah. I'm with you because I this is the time of year when I've got a whole spreadsheet that I usually go. I put in all the schedules and I start going through wins and losses to figure out exactly what my preseason pre prediction is right. going to be. I haven't done that yet because I don't know what the schedules are going to look like. Because exactly. back to, I, I knew you were going to go in one of two directions there when you said let's legitimize this once and for all. I figured you were either going to go college football playoff expansion, which I was going to ask you about, so I don't have to yeah. now, and yeah. or I figured the other way you were going to go with it uh, was uh, commissioner in college football. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that's something you've been stumbling for for a long time, and I I've well, seen you know that you that, that is if if you don't mind, I'll pat myself on the back. Go for it. Bit. Go for it. How many how many columns or Articles have you read where that's been brought up? I was just going to say, I see people talking about that all the time right now. Uh, and I know I will, you've been doing this I for will, years. Uh, two decades work, <laughs> you know, since the BCS was formed, mm -hmm. I uh, was talking about this. Um, and I will credit uh, a lot of the columnists, they have given me some credit for it. But, <laughs> uh, you know, the lack of universal leadership is so noticeable. You know, all, all of these guys... And I have great respect for Warren at the Big Ten and for Scott at the Pack. These are well-intentioned, highly educated, good people who do have the best uh, in mind. But when you have an infrastructure that's flawed, there's really not much you can do about it. Uh, Greg Sankey means well. So does John Swafford. So does Bob Bowlesby. And they talk about all this collegiality and, you know, uh, transparency with one another. And then, boom, the Big Ten says what it's does a couple of weeks ago and I'm, and I'm hearing right. from people after they make the, the decision understandable but we didn't think that they were going to do it yet right. <laughs> you know? right. everybody's saying the same thing so the reality is ultimately the commissioners serve at the pleasure of the presidents of the universities and their respective conferences so they that's that's who they serve and that's why the big 10 and the pac-12 did what they did well SEC, ACC, Big 12, where, you know, you're, you're on the clock. What are you going to do? Uh, there are a lot of really good ideas out there. Uh, I even read the one that Stuart Mandel put together about college football in a bubble. I mean, well, God bless him. You know, I, <laughs> I, no, I don't think anybody really thought of that, but Stuart had time to put a pin to it, so he did, mm -hmm. and that's fine. But if we had someone 
that was like the commissioners of the of the conferences, well-intentioned, highly educated and connected, that was looking out for the totality of the province, you know, uh, you know, from 30,000 feet, looking down upon college football. What can we do to make it better? See, that's, the, the, the commissioners can only do so much. Right. And, they're, and, and they are obligated to what? Their constituencies. Mm-hmm. We need someone out there that's obligated to the product, only the product of college football. And I'm not trying to strip or my suggestion of having a czar or a consultant or whatever you want to call this overseer of college football that I've been talking about for years. We're talking about an idea man, somebody that can have purview and speak from a position that's not insular, you know, and, and, you know, I'm sorry, Mark Emmert is not that guy. The NCAA has a seat at the table, but they have no jurisdiction at the table. And every time he opens his mouth, he inserts his own foot. We need someone out there. The commissioners of college football are fed up with Mark. I mean, they don't, they don't, none of them are going to say it, right. but they are. He made a, he, he made a, a joke out of the, the way the thing was handled during the NCAA. When the NCAA announced that they were going to start their tournament without fans and all the conferences were opening their doors to what fans fans for the conference for their conference yeah. tournaments how did that look how did that play right. in the national list they were all pissed off now they didn't say it because they're member institutions but it's those kinds of decisions you know that to just make the blanket statement that all spring sports have been called off before they've even had time to think about it um that that alienated emma from a lot of them uh I mean, if the financial situation at these schools were not so cumbersome right now, I think the thought of them breaking away from the NCAA, the Power Five, would be very good. But right now, because of the hemorrhaging of revenue, they really need that NCAA basketball tournament cash for the period of time that it's still out there. But they're not happy with with the head of the NCAA, nor should they be. But they do need someone. they, They need to look at themselves in the mirror, all of them and say, how many times during this pandemic has someone said something one day, someone said something totally the opposite from a different, you know, completely different perspective in the same position that you're in someplace else? It's all this mixed messaging that gets in the way. So, you know, a guy like Oliver Luck, wow, what a, what a great choice he would be to be in consultation with uh, not just the Power Five, but all 10 of the commissioners, you know, the group of five commissioners, you know, that are waiting around to see what the big boys are going to do. A lot of those guys are pretty sharp too. I think Mike Oresco, uh, if he were not the commissioner of the American athletic conference would be a great commissioner for all of college football. Uh, if, if Oliver didn't want it, I think Mike would be wonderful. We, we, we need great minds and great leaders to look at themselves during, in the aftermath of this, look at yourselves, look at the way it was handled. What might you have done differently? Yeah, I know there was no manual for how you go about it, but what did we learn from this? Okay, clearly we had a lot of things to learn. What did we learn? And I think the main thing that America now knows, the college football fan knows, and even to some extent, some in the media of college football, you know what? Maybe that blowhard from Louisiana was right. 
when he said we needed a commissioner for college football because we do. I'm going to ask you some questions about Penn State, but real quick, uh, the powers that be in college football come to you, Tim Brando, and say, we want you to be the commissioner of college football. What's your answer? Not interested. <laughs> not, not interested. Not interested. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I can only do one thing, you know, right. call games. Gotcha. But, but I do know the guy that would be the right guy. Oliver, Oliver Luck would be my first choice. Jack Ford, who was a great defensive back at Yale, huge National Football Foundation charter member, uh, past prosecutor, had a wonderful show on, on uh, court TV for years, later worked uh, in the media for Good Morning America and the Today Show. Jack would be awesome. Uh, I mentioned Mike Oresco, if he weren't running a, a league himself, he, he understands television. He was a vice president of college programming at CBS. Sharp, sharp guy. Uh, but uh, Billy Payne also, past chairman of uh, Augusta National and uh, was the director of the U.S. Uh, Olympic bid for Atlanta, ran the Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia back in 96, played, played for Vince Dooley in the 60s. Uh, he's in his early 70s now, but he's got a lot of gas in his tank. He'd be very good at it, too. So uh, I've got nominees, you know. Okay, okay. Well, they can come, I would, you can be their search committee then. Myself. You, you can be their search committee because that's what the, all the rage is these days, yeah. having a search committee. Odds are you may not be driving around quite as much these days as you're accustomed to, but you still want to make sure your car is ready to go whenever you are. And the best way to do that is to make sure you're up to date on all of your maintenance. But if you need anything for your car right now and to make sure it is ready to go, make sure you head to rockauto.com and enter your make and model of your car because it's going to bring up a catalog of everything that's available to you for your vehicle. Cars, trucks, it doesn't matter what you drive. They're going to have everything that you need and they're going to give you the best prices. It doesn't matter if you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional, rockauto.com is going to give you the best prices they possibly can to make sure that you can get the parts that you need and you can even get everything you need delivered straight to your door. So it's a great process from a customer standpoint. And the reason for that is because rockauto.com, they're a family business. They've been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. They know how to satisfy their customers. And the best way to do that is by giving them all the parts they need at the best prices available. So go to rockauto.com right now. Check out all the parts available for your car or truck. Then write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that you came here from Locked On Nittany Lions. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, Tim, let's, uh, let's talk about Penn State this upcoming season. Uh, obviously coming off a, another, I would say, very successful season with a win in the Cotton Bowl, another one of those New Year's Six Bowl victories for uh, Penn State under James Franklin. He's got a couple there since he's come over. And uh, obviously, all the talk when it comes to the Big Ten is going to be about Ohio State. I think a lot of people understand that and accept that. But is Penn State the biggest hurdle that Ohio State could potentially have this season? Oh, without a doubt. Without, I mean, it's not, it's not really close. There's not no, really close. That's not really close. There's no team in the Big Ten that athletically matches up with Ohio State as well as Penn State. Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, Ohio State has blitzed Michigan. Uh, and they've been in a ma massive catch-up role for obviously quite some time. Penn State, um, listen, I, I've, I've had a little bit of a debate with my friends. I mean, you know, November's a ratings month and Ohio State, Michigan, the border war and all that. It's, it's a game you have to have. So I understand why we always carry it on Fox. But the more competitive game lately and I think for the short-term future is always going to be Penn State, Ohio State. 
because of what James has done, the way he's recruited. Uh, they got awfully young, awfully quick, you know, uh, mm-hmm. because of a recruiting gap that took place. Um, he had a lot of sophomores, seniors. He almost didn't have a junior class, uh, as I recall, last year. Um, but I think that's ironed itself out. And, you know, I look at the personnel and the people they're going after from a recruiting standpoint. He goes up for the, the four and five stars that the Buckeyes generally get. He finishes second a lot more than Michigan does. Uh, and as there's a few that he's been able to get. You know, he's able to, he's, he's actually one on. So I think the, the, the personnel issue in the Big Ten is still the big deal. You know, in the SEC, LSU, Georgia, Florida, Auburn, Alabama, all really have great personnel. They all really have great personnel. Now, you can argue Alabama's depth of personnel has been the best. That's why they've been the dynasty they've been. Yeah, LSU's catching up there, though, and so is Georgia mm-hmm. um, in terms of the depth of personnel. Uh, in the Big Ten, uh, right now, the only team that's even challenging Ohio State for not just personnel but depth of personnel is Penn State. Michigan doesn't have it yet. Um, as, good as, as good as Wisconsin and Iowa traditionally are, you know this, they don't go after the same kids that Ohio State uh, you know, and Penn State go after they don't. So they they do what they do, and they bring in their talent and they develop their talent over time. And to their credit, they've been ultra successful to a point in doing it that way. Right. But in terms of being a team that could go for the whole the whole thing, uh, right now the only other team in the Big Ten that I think has that capability after Ohio State is Penn State. So I, I think they're in a tremendous position this year. Uh, thought, to be perfectly honest with you, last year, uh, I've been off on them. You know, I had, them, I had them going to the college football playoff two years ago. I was, I was actually off. They were, they were better suited to go there ne- last year than they were the year before. Mm-hmm. And, but they've recruited well since. And now I think with the changes, whatever they're going to look like in terms of you know, the offense uh, with the changes they've made in leadership. Um, I think that they're going to really, really begin to blossom even more. Uh, I didn't think that they were going to be as good at the, as they were at the quarterback position last year, but they were. And, you know, the Minnesota game was like, listen, that Minnesota's really good. And they caught them at the right time for Minnesota. And by the way, that could be my breakthrough team again out of the out of the division yeah. is Minnesota. Uh, that kid, the quarterback, may be a Heisman candidate. He's really good. He is pretty um, good. <laughs> he is very good. Tanner Moore, he's a very good quarterback. Uh, but Penn State, pound for pound on both sides of the ball. Uh, I love the running game uh, and the depth at running back uh, that Penn State has uh, to go along with Clifford. So I, I, I love the Nittany Lions this year. They will be. I don't have my top ten ready for you, Kevin, mm-hmm. uh, but I will tell you that Penn State will be my first team uh, that would be outside the big three. All right, the big three is Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Penn State 
no worse than number four in my preseason top 10. Uh, I, I, I like the schedule and I like the personnel. So, and that'll anger a lot of SEC fans when I have uh, a second, a second team out of the big 10 ranked ahead of a second team out of the SEC. But I, that's how confident I am in Penn State having a really good season. Let's just uh, pretend that the college football playoff stays at four teams this year. You just said you would probably have Penn State at number four. Does that put them in a playoff if uh, even if well, Ohio State is in there? The, the, if we, a lot of variables, right? Yeah, you know, well, there are way too many variables. And the right. other thing that comes into, you know, the, the thing that comes to mind is the loss of those non-conference games. Right. You know? How do we, the, what do we know? We have no way of knowing what the committee is going to be seeing right now because we really don't know who's playing whom. Uh, and is that going to be a nine and one record going up against an 11 and one record right. uh, out of the big 12 or the SEC? I just know that when I see guys like uh, Clifford, uh, I see guys like Journey in the backfield, uh, Devin Ford and the other kid, um, Noah Kane, mm-hmm. uh, that's a lot of depth. Yeah. I mean, I, I just like – I like where they are. And uh, the, de- the defense with Micah leading the way is going to be really, really good, very physical, very fast. Uh, Micah Parsons – I you know, I had Penn State twice last year, so maybe there's to some extent uh, an impact of, of my having seen them uh, and, and seen them play really, really well. But um, – uh, you know, who, who develops at wide receiver is going to be a question mark to me. Uh, you know, right now, Fryermuth, I guess, would be the, quote, go-to guy. Right. Right. As right. a receiver at the tight end position. But, uh, but they'll, they'll develop some good wide receivers. I'm sure they will. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, with, with James, it's always going to be run first anyway. Uh, you know, you can spread it out, but you got to run out of it. Um, but Clifford last year really impressed me with his athleticism. Uh, I did not anticipate that uh, when I saw him initially. You know, right. when I when I saw him just working out in practice, I said, like, "Man, good arm, strong." But you know, I don't know what will he do uh, when he's pressure. He was really good when he was under pressure. Uh, so uh, I, I like the team. I like him a lot. Well, I hope we get to see Penn State, Sean Clifford, Michael Parsons. I hope we get to see you calling some Penn State games this year. I don't know what hey, the assignments are, but <laughs> I was uh, I was two and zero last year. You know, you were telling, I, uh, which two games did you have last year? Do you I had the uh, I had the Maryland game, which I think a lot of people okay the Maryland game. game. Yeah, um, uh, I think a lot of people. I thought that game might be close at the time. Maryland was coming off they put up like fifty. Yeah, that was early in the weeks. year, and Maryland was uh, rolling yeah. offensively. I thought yeah, that was going to be a little bit of a shootout. It, it they was were not the same. They were not the same after that game. No. And you know they had a hard, tough uh, battle for a half with Buffalo at home. You know, right. uh, Penn State did had mm-hmm. to earn that game. Buffalo was bad. They were a pretty decent team. But, Buffalo but, was one but, of those flies in the ointment, almost. Yeah, right? <laughs> they were. <laughs> they were trying to be. But, but in a game where the other team was outplaying you, Penn State did what they had to do in the second half. You know, they, yeah. they responded. It was a typical early season game against a group of five opponent that you might not be taking seriously. And then, you know, you see Penn State get punched in the mouth. How do they respond? They responded. You know, they played 
uh, big time in the second half. So a lot of times games like that uh, are not necessarily remembered as much by fans as they ought to be, you know, but uh, I, I thought that, um, you know, when you're not playing your best, you still come out in the second half and take control of the game the way they did. You know, Buffalo didn't suddenly just fall off a turnip truck and stop playing. They played as right. hard as they could play. Uh, Penn State just stepped it up a notch because they they began to respect the opponent and knew that uh, they had to in order to get the win. That tells me a lot about a team sometimes. You know, it really does. Um, so I that would be uh, – you got an exclusive here today, all right? Penn State is in my top four. Okay. Right. I, and by the way, I might even have them ahead of four. You know, before I a little bit of a tease there. Yeah. <laughs> you have any idea when you might have a top ten ready to go public? Or are you still kind of uh, waiting to see what's gonna happen? Uh, well we know what you know, once we know what those plans are to play, I'll I'll put the top ten together. All right, sounds good. Well, I, I need to know who's playing who. Yeah, that, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, it goes back to what you're saying. You know, it's, it's very yeah. difficult to predict what's going to happen in this season because there's so many unique circumstances going on. Uh, but again, hopefully we have a season to talk about. That's when it all comes back to me. I, I remain as optimistic as I can that we will see some college football play this year. I know you're going to be broadcasting. I'm looking forward to see how you guys cover it because, uh, like you said earlier, it's going to be a weird year. <laughs> well, I look forward to how we're going to try to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are. There, there, it'll be, like I said, uh, uh, that, that conversation I had, uh, I guess it was last Saturday with Gus, was like, you know what, you're right. I never really thought of it like that. We're, we're, we're going to be in a position this year, provided we have games, we're going to be in a position unlike any other and probably uh, carrying a lot more responsibility uh, than we ever have. And, you know, I was on the air doing the last game of college basketball. Uh, when sports ended, I was doing the – game between Creighton and St. John's and the game was called at halftime at the big East tournament. Right. And, uh, that was surreal. Uh, it was probably the most memorable day I've ever had, uh, on national television, you know, no sooner than I left the garden, Bill Hemmer was on the phone with me at Fox news telling me, Hey, I'm sending a car to the garden. I want him to pick you up. I need you to talk to me because this is a news story, bud. I need you to talk to me. So I was whisked away to, the news corp and, and did a piece with bill for about 20 minutes on his show in the afternoon. And, uh, when I went back to the hotel room and knowing I was going to be on a flight the next morning, I never thought when I was leaving New York, ne never thought that we, I'd be talking to you this late into the summer, not knowing what would happen with fall football. I mean, I would have, you know, we're, we're, we're four and a half months removed from that. Mm -hmm. And I still can't believe <laughs> all of this has happened uh but we'll see um i was on one end of, of history doing that i'd love to be on another end of history you know when toby's pigskin in the fall it's gonna make a great chapter in a book someday i'm guessing right you yeah you think? <laughs> <laughs> i think so tim brandon you have been far more than generous with your time with me today thank you so much for the time a lot of really great insight i really appreciated hearing some of your stories and i look forward to hopefully doing it again sometime Happy to do it, Kevin. You make it a lot of fun. You've got a disarming style with your approach, and I wish you all the best. If there's ever anything I can do for you, just let me know. Absolutely. 
Well, Tim Brando does not need to do anything more for me because he was more than accommodating, setting aside 90 minutes worth of interview time, and I wasn't expecting that much content out of our conversation, but I am so thankful for uh, having the time that we did have on a Zoom call. I do apologize. I know at some points during the interview, the audio got a little bit weird, and I think my chair was creaking a lot more than I realized during my call, so I apologize for that little audio snafu on my end. I promise you, it's on my end, not Tim's end, and it's just a just something I wasn't able to work around this time, unfortunately. But it was a great interview. I enjoyed it, and hopefully you guys did as well. If you want to go back and listen to the full interview, you can either do so by going back and checking out Monday's episode and Wednesday's episode, checking out the show archive in whatever podcasting app you have. If you're subscribed, you should be able to go back and listen to those previous episodes at any time. You can also listen to the full uninterrupted interview that I recorded in one long session. It's available on my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Kevin McGuire. It is available for Patreon supporters on my Patreon page. So if you want to go check that out, that's another way to check out the full interview without ads, no interruption, no nothing. So number of ways to go back and check out the full interview. We also have a couple video clips up on the YouTube page. If you go to youtube.com and search for uh, Locked on Nittany Lions, should pop up for you. If not, uh, just search again. <laughs> It'll probably show up at some point in time. So my sincere thank you once again to Tim Brando from Fox Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Tim Brando. Great follow, great conversation, and I do look forward to being able to do so again. If you have any guest recommendations you would like to see incorporated into the podcast moving forward, please let me know. The best way to give your feedback is, first of all, leave a rating and a review on whatever podcasting app you may be subscribing to this podcast to or listening to us in. Uh, that's a great way to let us know how we're doing. But you can also connect with us through all the forms of social media by using the username Locked On Nittany on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and yes, on Twitch as well. So that's all for me. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Thank you so much for coming back and checking out the three-part interview segment we had. We also had that extra episode that we threw up on Thursday with a bunch of Penn State news. It was a busy week here on the Locked on Nittany Lions podcast. We look forward to enjoying some time this weekend and coming back next week. And we're going to start to turn some pages, getting ready for that 2020 season because it's going to creep up on us very quickly now that we've got a schedule. Should be a lot of fun coming up on the podcast in the coming weeks. So make sure you're connected. Make sure you're subscribed. Never miss an episode. Until next time, everybody, go one and know today. Have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe. Do all the right things. And we'll come back and do this all again next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you later.